Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Q for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Matthew, and joining me as always is the illustrious Ryan. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite rides in Fantasyland, the Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Ryan, I know you've ridden it. Tell me, what do you think of the Seven Dwarves Mine Train? I have absolutely ridden this attraction, Matthew, and all in all, I think it's a really solid attraction. I think it is a fun combination of coaster and animatronics, and frankly, I think it's just delightful. Heck yeah. It's definitely one of my, like I said, it's one of my favorites in the uh, area, but I will say Fantasyland, that's bottom tier for me in Magic Kingdom. So sometimes this might not be... It might not make a ride. I don't have to ride this one every day, but we'll get into that a little bit more here in a little bit. But I did want to go ahead and preface this because I don't want anyone coming at me saying, wow, this is Matthew's favorite ride of all time. No, this is not. This is my favorite ride in fantasy land. And that's not counting the teacups because the teacups, that's some top tier uh, amusement talent right there. Now, I will say, I just have to address two things. One, you're obviously overlooking the god tier ride that i went over in our previous episode (laughs) that is in fantasy land but that's that's fine i'll let it slide this time and two not to start the podcast on a downer but matthew i do have to say one of my saddest experiences at walt disney world was in line for this ride do you want to go ahead and say it or do we want to wait because i'm excited to hear it i want to hear it Well, I won't keep the people in suspense. I'll go ahead and say it. Had nothing to do with this attraction at all. It was actually the first time I was ever going to ride this ride. I think it was about a year after it opened, if I remember right. But I remember standing in the queue, being excited to, you know, be able to get on this ride. And you, Matthew, will probably know that I am a huge Daughtry fan. They're one of my favorite bands ever. And I was standing in this queue and I see Daughtry post on their Instagram 20 minutes ago that, hey, we're playing at the House of Blues in Orlando tonight. Can't wait to hit the stage. No. And I was dying that I didn't know that they were going to be there and that I would miss (laughs) them in concert. But it was all on the up and up when I got to ride the ride and had a great time. But just a sad moment at Walt Disney World in the queue for this ride that I thought I would share. Well, I appreciate you sharing. I love those uh, things. And that's what makes theme parks, you know, so great all the time is because not only do you remember the rides, you also have those stories to tie back to it. So I absolutely love that. But with that being said, let's just give the people what they're here to see. Let's jump into the Seven Dwarfs Mind Train. Take me on a journey, Matthew. All right, let's go. So as you know, this ride is based on the 1937 film Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs which is actually the first Disney animated feature film starring our beautiful princess, Snow White, and her seven dwarven compatriots. And that's where we start with the trivia of the day. Ryan, can you name all seven of the seven dwarfs? Oh, well, you're putting me on the spot, but let me see. We've got Doc, Sneezy, Sleepy, Dopey, Bashful. That's five. Doc, Sneezy, Sleepy, Dopey, Bashful, Sneezy, Sleepy, Dopey, Bashful, Grumpy. One more. Happy. Happy. There you go. Wow. That ding, is ding, ding, beautiful. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you win absolutely nothing, but I will give you some um, Q for two points 
Uh, so we've got a running tally. So you now have 50 Q for two points to keep oh. up with. So it, one thing I learned when I was looking up at this attraction, this was not the original attraction for Snow White. So there was actually an attraction that was also in Fantasyland that was originally called Snow White's Adventures, which then became Snow White's Scary Adventures in 1994, all the way up until it closed May 31st, 2012. Did you ever get a chance to ride this ride? You know, you would think with it closing in 2012 that I would have, but I don't have any memory riding that attraction. It's one of those that, again, I never really realized it was a thing because what it is, is the ride was actually a dark ride and most people actually found it to be a very scary ride. (laughs) It's currently still at Disneyland where it's actually called Snow White's Enchanted Wish. It's at Tokyo Disneyland, Paris Disneyland. And at the Disneyland in California, it was actually one of the original rides that opened alongside the park itself, which I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. And I, I'm sorry, I'm just hung up on this. I can't believe that it was there all through my childhood going to Disney. And I really, (laughs) it's like it didn't exist. I don't have any memory of it. Yeah. And so where the ride actually was, it's obviously now closed. It got replaced during the new Fantasyland renovations. And it is now where Princess Fairytale Hall is, which is the little area where you can see uh, Cinderella and a visiting princess. So that is the part of Fantasyland it is at currently. Oh, interesting. So one thing about it, though, which is interesting, like I said earlier, is that not only did the name change, the ride itself is slightly different at all of the different parks. At Disney World itself, people say that the original ride was actually way scarier and it was probably the scariest version of all of them. And when they renovated it in 1994 and redesigned it, they actually made it less spooky and more similar to the Disneyland version. So even though they renamed it to Snow White's Scary Adventures, they actually made it less scary, according to um, the sources that I saw where people wrote it back in the day, which I find hilarious for Disney that they would go through the effort of renaming it and then make it less scary. Well, on the original ride, it actually said traumatizing, but it was so (laughs) worn on the sign and then they replaced it with scary in the later (laughs) iteration. Oh, I love that. All the legal (laughs) loopholes we have to go through to make sure that kids don't uh, scream and pass out, you know, on the ride itself. (laughs) Disney World, a magical place until you're traumatized by scary dwarves. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so, so much. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit more with some of the stuff from that ride. But where the current Seven Doors Mine Train is now, the ride that was there before. The original ride was something that we mentioned on last week's episode for Winnie the Pooh. It is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Submarine Voyage. Ryan, you know you knew what that ride was, or do you have any idea what that ride was besides your research from last week? So I have a general idea of what the ride was. I'm very familiar with the source material. I read the book as a child, but... I never got to ride the attraction, but I heard one of the big reasons it closed was because it was just kind of a people would spend a long time in the queue because it would you had to like load everybody on the submarine and then the submarine went around and then it was a time eater and it did not do anything to to kill off those lines. That that's exactly it. And for those of you that don't know what the ride was is actually this marine life ride that has all these actual marine animals, scuba divers, um, that sort of thing. You load into this long boat 
that actually makes it seem like it's going underwater, but you're just sitting below the water surface and you've got portholes and you can look out. And so, like you said, huge line, huge upkeep for the ride. And so that is, I'm assuming, partially why they closed it in 1994. After that, once it was closed, like you said last week, they left the submarine there, but they actually opened Ariel's Grotto, which was a nice little just, you know, meet and greet with Ariel. And I will say this was open from 96 to 2004. I have very few memories from my very first trip to Disney World. I want to say it was in, you know, in the rough area of 2002, 2003. This is actually one of the uh, like areas I remember meeting Ariel and she gave me a kiss on my cheek of my little like kid cheek and her red lipstick like came off or maybe maybe I'm making that part up because I don't know if that was even allowed back then. (laughs) But I swear I remember this to this day of meeting Ariel at her grotto. And that's just such a weird thing that I'd never even realized that this is where that ride is now currently. Now, was that was that a magical moment for young Matthew or was young Matthew like, ew, girls are icky. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like it was the girls. You girls are icky, probably. (laughs) Um, And I'm probably made up the part about the lipstick. I'm probably making that up. But I do remember meeting Ariel. So don't don't come at me. And then after Ariel's Grotto closed in 2004, this is where we come up with something we mentioned last week, Pooh's Playful Spot, the beautiful treehouse playground that is now in front of Pooh's Winnie, Winnie the Pooh's. I completely forgot the name already, and it was the last week's episode. That's fine. This is only the second time you've insulted the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh this episode. But, you know, I'm... I'm uh gracious so i will let it slide (laughs) that's the one that's the one so yeah um yeah uh, sure i insulted it i apologize i apologize that's a great ride who's playful apologize (laughs) i apologize oh i love it so (laughs) that playground was moved over and this ride was part of a huge fantasy land construction project that they did in the uh, mid 2010s in that range this ride actually opened on may 28th 2014 in Magic Kingdom. So let me give you Disney's official walkthrough on what this ride is. So this ride is a steel coaster, and here's their official word for it. Deep inside an age-old mountain, clamber into a rustic mine train and make your way up a steep incline. At the summit, feel the wind across your face as you navigate hairpin turns and head deep into the mine shaft, your creaky cart teetering back and forth. Soon, the dark sparkles with glittering jewels and you encounter the seven dwarves, whistling and singing while they work. Chug through the cavern and climb skyward. At the peak, glimpse an incredible view of Fantasyland before racing back down to the foot of the mountain. Doesn't that just give you chills? It does. I mean, that's a beautiful description to accompany what I think is a a pretty beautiful scenic ride. Yep, exactly. So that leads me into the ride itself. So let me tell you a little bit about the ride. So like I said a minute ago, this ride is a steel coaster. There are currently two versions of it. One that's at Magic Kingdom and one that is at Shanghai Disneyland that opened in June 2016. So this ride has a required ride height of 38 inches and a max speed of only 34 miles per hour. The reason I bring this up is that this ride is actually a very good ride for families and young kids that want to come in. So if you've got a family and young kids, this is definitely a good coaster for them. However, the car consists of two benches of two with only a single lap bar. The car is not the largest car in the world. 
If you are a larger person like myself, uh, over six foot tall, this car can be a little constricting. And that is my biggest issue with this is that once you climb into the car and you are, your knees can get squished into that car. So that is my one complaint. I want to go ahead and put that out there and make people aware that sometimes if you are uh, larger, that car can be a little tight. Well, and I, I would second that because I'm a little bit of a larger person myself and fitting into that car. I mean, <laughs> it's not like trying to cram my adult body in Goofy's Barnstormer, <laughs> right. but like it, it is a tighter fit. Right. I feel like that's a common theme across fantasy land. Feels like they got a lot of like rides for the shorter folks or kids. It's a kid's part of the area. You know, it's not Space Mountain or anything crazy like that. Um, I mean, the the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh is pretty comfy, you know, just another point in that category. OK, but, that's you know. fair. All right. That's what this podcast is going to turn into. It's just a we're going to go back and forth and debate on which of the rides that we're presenting are better. So we'll go from there. I love it. So, surprise. Every episode is secretly the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> All right. So like I mentioned a minute ago, there are two versions, one at uh, Magic Kingdom in Florida and then Shanghai. So the ride layouts are identical in both of the uh, versions, and the track was actually created in Holland by a company known as Vacoma. This is the company that actually did uh, Big Thunder Mountain for Tokyo and Paris. Really? Mm-hmm. So not the most useful knowledge, but it's it's a cool like little thing. It's like, so this company in Holland, they made it and shipped it over and they installed it. And I like it. Cool stuff. That's a fun fact. What else do we have for here? So. With this ride, from what I was reading, and I wasn't exactly able to find it, but from my understanding, with this ride, Walt Disney Imagineering actually patented the tilting vehicle ride system that this ride actually has. So this mimics an actual minecart, allowing each minecart to sway back and forth individually as you go down the tracks. So that way, the whole car, the whole train isn't moving the same way. But as you get up to a certain part of the track in the front of the car, you might go left. And then as the other part goes, they might go right, that sort of thing. And it just creates that swaying back and forth as you go through the mines of an actual mine car tilting from one side of the car to the other. That's a really unique mechanic. Yeah. And I think that's it's that's part of why this ride is actually like really good beside the small car is that they give it that not only does it have great theming, which we'll get into here in a minute. But like the ride system itself, again, makes super fond memories, I feel like, for kids. Yeah, no, for sure. Before we get into the fun facts, though, I've got a lot of like little fun facts and Easter eggs for this ride. I will say there's one incident on this ride that I love. That's the kind of part of the history of these rides that really interests me. On November 1st, 2014, there was a fire on this ride. Does this sound familiar to you at all? No. (laughs) November 1st, 2014. That was not long after the ride opened. Uh, Yep. It was that same year. It was a couple months later. I'll ask you this. What normally happens at night right above this ride in Fantasyland? Every single night in Magic Kingdom. Those fireworks, baby. Those fireworks. Specifically the Wishes fireworks show. So what supposedly happened was that there were some embers that came down from the Wishes fireworks show. It landed on a fake grass exterior of the ride that was right next to the bridge that the coaster actually travels into or travels over right as it goes right back inside of the building. And that caught on fire. 
And so they called wow. the fire department. They got someone out there to take a look at it, put out the fire, obviously. And the ride was closed all that night and until the next day at 1230, and then, which they got it back up, which I thought that was a really fast turnaround. Obviously, it wasn't that big of a fire, but still found that to be interesting for the magical, ma- most magical place on Earth to have something like that happen. That is insanely quick turnaround, but like I've always wondered with those fireworks shows, and I've watched some videos about how they manage some of it, but you think with them launching all those fireworks off, how are none of those like shells or embers coming back down on the park? And I guess the answer is, well, sometimes Same they do. Th- right, exactly. But it, it does make you realize like how much fireworks they send off every night. And for that to have only happened, you know, at least on this ride, I haven't looked up for the park in general, but for this ride to only have happened the once in the, you know, seven, eight years that it's been open, they obviously changed something at some point, which I like. Yeah, for sure. That would be a fascinating episode in and of itself, just kind of going behind the scenes of some of the fireworks shows. That would be a fun thing to research. There's a lot of episodes in our future. So again, if y'all haven't hit that subscribe button, please hit that button. We would really appreciate it. And tell us what episodes you want to see in the future. Anyway, this is not the outro. I just wanted to go and put that in there while we're thinking about it. Got to sneak that in while we got their attention. All right. I love it. All right. So now we'll dive into, that was a little of a scary fact. Now we're going to jump into some beautiful fun facts and Easter eggs that we've got. You know, I said this last week episode, I love a good queue system. And Disney, I feel like with their newer rides, it's really increasing their cues and making them a lot more interactive and really helpful for parents and kids and even grown adults like myself. In this queue, there are multiple things. Do you remember any of them that stick out to you? Honestly, the only thing that rings a bell for me is aren't there aren't there gems jammed in the walls all through like you're walking through mm-hmm. part of the mines? Yeah. So there's a lot of like things like that where obviously the the queue is beautiful. You walk into the vault door, you walk through the mines getting up to the cart. There's also some interactive stuff, just like Winnie the Pooh, which was also really cool. So at first, they used to have these uh basically huge iPad screens that were almost in like this trough that you used to be able to play a gym matching game where you would basically drag oh. the gym and put it into a mine cart and match it that way, which is obviously everybody loves uh, tablets. And so that was a, a huge like hit for a little bit. Gotcha. I, I do remember that now that you say that. Mm-hmm. That's why when I was looking at the research, I was like, I do remember all this. So that is no longer there. They actually replaced those with physical gym models. So I'm assuming whether they just didn't work most of the time, whatnot. So from what I was reading, they've replaced those. There's two other parts. There are 12 magical spigots that are shaped like animals. And when you put them all together, they will play a melody from the movie. So I don't remember those as much. I remember there were some definitely some parts where if you read notes from Doc, they'll talk about these like magical musical points. So definitely be on the lookout for those next time you're in the queue. Interesting. And I definitely don't remember that. When you say like put the spigots together, are they like all physically in the same room or is this like a like an AR like phone interactive thing or how how does that work? So this is where I was running into a little issues with some of the sources that I was reading. It was a little bit confusing as to how exactly because I remember there are like these basically these notes from Doc that talk about you put your hand under there and it's like a sensor. You wave your hand underneath and it would play like a musical note. But from one point that I was reading, it made it seem like there were actual physical pieces that are shaped like animals in one specific room and that I don't know if you twist them together or how exactly it works. 
Um, and I couldn't find any good video stuff about it. But I did want to go ahead and put this out there as that's supposed to be like an official thing. So keep your eye out for it. It should be obvious, I would hope, but I was not able to find it in the research that I was doing at this time. The biggest one that I have confirmed, and I love this part, and that was actually my favorite part of the queue. Once you go inside there, you go around these um, barrels. Each of the barrels is able to freely spin on their own, and it basically gives this kaleidoscope effect on the ceiling. Here's the trick with them, though. If you spin the barrels in a certain way, at some point at one of the angles, one of the seven dwarves will appear on the ceiling inside the kaleidoscope. If you get all seven of them to show up at the same time, there is a video of Snow White that will show up in the middle of them. And then she will just sort of like dance around and like they will all just sort of move together. So that's a little thing. It's tricky because obviously you get a lot of kids that go in there and they start spinning them around like crazy. So the odds of it happening might not be the highest. But if you think about it, that's something that you should definitely try because it's a really cool like little thing that, you know, not everybody will get a chance to see because it's on the ceiling. Nobody looks up. You know what I mean? No, that's super cool. I remember the barrels now that you say it, but I had never heard of that uh, little secret. I don't think I've ever even seen any of the seven dwarves. I think it's one of those, like I said, you have to just fit it just right with a kaleidoscope effect. And so many kids just go in there just to spin it because it makes the beautiful like disco-esque light show and it's gorgeous. Um, So even just that was just, it's a lot of fun. Even as an adult, I'm just like, ha ha ha, spin bright color, ha ha ha. And I love it. Another fact about this ride that I found interesting, there are actually two cameras on this ride that provide both a picture and a video. And I didn't realize this, but from what I was looking at, there are actually only two rides at Disney that provide a video while you're actually on the ride. Do you know what the other one is? That provide a video while you're on the ride. Yep. If you can't think of it, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, of course, I'm an idiot. (laughs) See, the first that would come to mind would be... Rise of the Resistance? Nope. And and again, this is um, the data I have. They might have a video on that one. This is um, Tower of Terror. You can actually get a video on Tower of Terror. It's almost like a slow oh, motion right. video like as you're going down. So I thought that was pretty cool. And again, that might not be fully up to date, especially with some of the Star Wars expansions. With that being said, another thing about it, which I really love about this ride and I love about Disney, and I would love to figure out exactly how it works. But there are no actual video monitors after the ride like you would see like after a Splash Mountain where you would scan your magic band or your phone to get your pictures. They actually automatically get sent to your My Disney Experience app. So that always blows my mind is as soon as I like get off a ride, like 20 minutes later, my phone's like, hey, you were on that ride. Here's your photos. And I'm like, I can't tell if I'm excited or kind of creepy that you tracked me all that way. Yeah, it's like it's really cool and it's really convenient. But at the same time, it's also like, oh, (laughs) you know where I am all the time and everything I do. Right. And it's like, are you tracking my magic band, my phone or my face? Either way, I don't know if I like it, but thank you for giving me pictures that I will will never forget. (laughs) Walt is big brother. (laughs) Next. So I talked about the Snow White Scary Adventures ride earlier. We briefly mentioned this in last week's episode that we both love this. There are actually several of the animatronics that are recycled from that ride, including the dwarves that are in the final scene and actually the vultures that are purchased on a mining structure. 
So when you're going through the ride, if you see the dwarves, the actual animatronic dwarves in that last scene or those big vultures, then that's just like I said, just remember that those were actually reused from um, the scary uh, adventure ride that was originally there. You probably have the facts more straight than me. I want to say in that last house with Snow White, I think it's only five of the seven dwarves that are the old animatronics. Is that right? I did not hear that, but I would believe it. I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I thought I had watched a video that there was something with two of the older animatronics that there were reasons why they didn't use them in the new attraction, but they recycled five of the seven dwarves. Okay. All right. So I did some quick research and it does seem that it is Dopey and Sneezy that were not reused. Nice. Um, Those rascally little dwarves. <laughs> some other little Easter eggs that we've got in the ride. Actually, it's in the queue. When I was talking about you walk into the vault itself, if you look on the wall, there's actually a large vault key. And I didn't even realize this. I forgot about it. But that is something that Dopey always did is that when they went into the vault, he would always like take the uh, vault key and hang it right next to the door. So I guess that way he never <laughs> lost the key. So I absolutely love that they put that in the ride or at least in the queue. It's just another like little detail that I love. That's awesome. That's uh, <laughs> that's that the little touches that make all the difference. So good. And the last little piece that I had, and if it's a tiny little detail, it's similar to what you were saying about the ride vehicles from Winnie the Pooh. If you look at the ride vehicles, each mine cart that you can look at will not look the same because they're individually painted to look stressed and worn. Because obviously, as things wear out over time, they're not going to wear out in the same places. So you'll see chips in some places. You'll see lines in other places. So I thought that was a cool little like Easter egg. It's not an Easter egg, but a little detail that I feel like Imagineers put into their work to not just, you know, send out a bunch of cars from a factory that all look the exact same and just spray paint a, a coat over them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's really neat. I'm kind of surprised they went the extra mile to do that because I feel like that wouldn't be something that most people would notice. But I mean, yeah, for the immersive experience, of course, they would wear out differently. So that's that's a really cool detail. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that we'll learn as we go through the Imagineering groups with Disney. It's just how much effort and things do they put into rides and attractions that they realize will never get noticed. You know, they're the unsung heroes of it's the most magical place on earth for a reason, you know, and that's what uh, I'm loving learning about when we make these episodes. All right. Last but not least, let's jump into some hidden Mickeys. So we talked about it last week. Obviously, hidden Mickeys are subjective. Some of them are subjective. Three circles in a row or three circles in a certain shape make a hidden Mickey. Obviously, when you have diamonds and gems that have a, a general round shape to them, there's a lot. So that is the first one. A lot of people say that if you look in the mine carts as you're going through the ride, you can see multiple of them. Uh, the gems in the carts will make hidden Mickeys. Again, I'm a little skeptical of it just because it's like, was were they actual hidden Mickeys or were they just happenstance sure. that you have three circles that are just happen to be that way? I did see photos of three, though, that I do want to point out. As you're in the mines, you will see Grumpy in one of the scenes. And if you look above his head, there are actually three gems that are sort of set apart from the others that aren't just a big bunch. And those, I would say, are a very 
very real looking Mickey, if that makes sense. Not just a happenstance. It looks like they are purposely placed there. It looks really intentional. Right, exactly. The other two I was really excited about and I saw the actual pictures of and oh my gosh. So there are two across from each other. As you're going up the hill, right before you go outside, if you look on the left side of the beam, there is a beam um, like where the ceiling meets the wall. There is not a hidden Mickey. There is a hidden Oswald the Lucky Rabbit carved into the beam. Wow. That's just such a little thing of like, what? That doesn't, that's crazy. I love it. That's, that's really cool. I don't know if I've heard of an, of a hidden Oswald before. I know I've heard, I think there's like some that are supposed to be like hidden, like in like a pavement somewhere. I, I have to go back and look it up. There was one that's just like in pavement, but it's more of the like hmm. three stones in a certain a way. But this is an actual like carving out. You see his ear, you see his like face and everything like that. It's really cool. Across from it though, on the right side, right as you go over the hill on another beam, there is a hidden Mickey that's actually carved out and Mickey Mouse is in a mining outfit. So you'll see Mickey like in a little mining outfit. So those are pretty much like right across from each other. So I I really like both of those. Those are very cool uh, little hidden Mickeys. I like when they're actual full body you know, because then it's really like, okay, that's a hidden Mickey, like for sure. It's not just happenstance that three random rocks happen to fall in concentric circles or the circles. You know what I mean? Well, and that's also wild because I don't feel like we see Mickey as a child that much. Like seeing Mickey as a minor is pretty oh, cool. Oh my God. All right, folks, that's been a great <laughs> night. I hope you have a good one. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. So with that being said, that is what I learned about this, right? So I hope you learned a little bit. Now I'm going to jump into some tips and tricks that I learned when my experience there. So for me, I said this earlier, Fantasyland is not my favorite. So this ride is not always a must ride, especially if the park is super busy. But if you've never ridden it before, I highly suggest you ride it. If you've ridden it before, you can make your own assumptions. But for me personally, it's not always on my must ride list while I'm at uh, Magic Kingdom. That being said, the average wait time that I was looking up for this ride is 72 minutes. That is a very long time. And it is currently the individual lightning lane at Magic Kingdom, meaning that you pay individually for that instead of just bundling it in with Genie Plus. The price for that will be determined by the demand and the crowd for that day. So if you really want to ride that ride, first off, if you have the disposable income, I would suggest trying to see if you can snag an individual lightning lane for Magic Kingdom for that day. So that way, you know, you can ride it. If not, my suggestion would be to ride it either during fireworks, because obviously ride lines are going to be shorter because people are watching the fireworks or get in line right before the park closes. Because as we talked last week, they cannot kick you out of the line. So if you get in line before park closes, it might still take 70 minutes but you know that you're going to end up riding it. And usually those lines are shorter because especially after the fireworks, people are ready to get out of the park. Yeah, no, I think those are great tips. Like I think, like you said, especially if you haven't ridden it before, I think if you have the disposable income to get that lightning lane pass, I think it's worth it because it is a fun ride. It's a good experience, especially if it's your first time doing it. And then, you know, if you've ridden it before, then I feel like that would be up to the individual person, right? Like if you get a lot of enjoyment out of it, maybe get the lightning lane. If you weren't as big of a fan of it before, then, you know, maybe it's not as much of a priority. Like, like you said, Matthew, and maybe you skip it. Sometimes you ride it other times. Right. 
All right. Yeah. The last three tips I had that are really short, just my personal preference. Do the ride at night, not only for the shorter lines, but because the way that the park is lit up and the way that the ride is lit up absolutely shines at night. It is a gorgeous ride during the day. It is a better ride at night. Ride in the back, if possible, you get more whip and speed. So from a thrill person like myself, that is always uh, amazing. As you go around those turns, obviously the back of that uh, train is going to get whipped faster and everything like that. And then just take a minute in the queue. Save your phone battery. Look around the queue because like I was going through earlier, the queue has all these little activities and some beautiful, beautiful imagineering pieces of art. And just they put a lot of effort into this queue. And so that's what be my suggestion is take a minute, you know, don't just be on your phone refreshing your lightning lanes and everything all day. Actually take a minute and look around because that queue is absolutely gorgeous and it definitely makes that ride um, stand out that much more. Yeah. And I mean, especially if you can grab a pick, I mean, there's plenty of jewels in there. You can uh, you can make up that park ticket fee in no time. <laughs> well, I think that just about wraps it up for the Seven Dwarves Mine Train. I will let you uh, add any last thoughts that you had. Talk about what our next phases are and let us let you get us out of here. Matthew, I think those are all great tips about this ride. I would agree with all those and I don't really have anything else to add to that. All I would like to say is for our listeners, um, as we kind of continue this first series of episodes looking at our favorite attractions in each section of Magic Kingdom, next time we'll be coming at you with our favorite rides from Tomorrowland. So we'll be hitting you with those soon in the next episode. But for now, that cue certainly went faster than I expected. We certainly hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new about this absolutely magical, sparkly ride. As always, we'd love to hear your experiences with this attraction or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation or shout at us on Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel, and all of these links can be found in the episode description below. Now go catch that ride, and we'll see you next time in the queue for two. Hi-ho!